Hey everybody, and welcome to session three of Welcome to the Quill Institute. I don't know about you, but I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. And everything's just making one big blur in my head. We're on like day 50-something of our quarantine here in Louisiana. And um, basically that's because people didn't pay attention to the first one. But anyway, um, hopefully soon we will be all sitting back around this table recording uh, episodes for you. But until that time comes, listeners, every week, just like the past two weeks, you will have a lore episode to keep you going. I hope you are all doing well. I hope your families are well. And I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. So with that being said, let's jump right in to Welcome to the Quill Institute, Session 3. You find yourself back in the white-walled classroom you've been in for the last few weeks. You see that you are surrounded by other students just like yourself, eager to learn, though this time there are less students than before. It seems the lessons are weeding out the week. Into class walks the same history professor you had last time, a pale-skinned human male with brown hair parted to the side. He wears a green three-piece suit and carries a brown briefcase. He adjusts the round spectacles on his face. As he tosses his briefcase onto the desk, pets the cat floating just above his desk, and begins to speak. Good morning, class. As you know, I am Arthur Atticus Gamble III. Last time we met, you learned the truth behind creation. This week we will be learning about the First War. The first time the gods ask the mortals for help. I hope you take good enough notes and retain enough information so that you might pass the next test. You don't want to be removed from the program. I'm sure you all hope to graduate from level zero student to level one graduate and be promoted here at the Quill Institute. Once you're promoted to level one, this will be the tier where you are officially a member of the Quill Institute. At level one, you will be given your first assignment and then sent out on your first mission, most likely either as a gatherer or an enforcer. He looks around the classroom and seems to notice a few missing faces. I see some of your former classmates have already been removed for poor performance. Well, let's go forth with today's lesson. After the creation of the gods, the demon lords, and the world of Talea, the gods watched from the heavens as their creations went about their lives. Though the people of Talea have been living that whole time under the threat of the demon lords. The demon lords had taken to creating smaller demons, creatures of death and pain, that would travel the globe and wreak havoc on the kingdoms of men. The world in its earlier days was an extremely violent place. Death was not just a certainty, it was inevitable 
and it was coming for you quickly. The people did what they could to fight back the forces of the demon lords, but the power of the demons was just too much. City after city fell to fire and destruction. Seeing how much terror and death the demon lords were causing, Severius decided it was time to do something. He would banish them to the underworld for good. And as the first god of this universe, he decided that if the demon lords were defeated on Kars this one time, they would be banished to the hells forever. Though the sins in carnage they've caused and created could not be erased. Severius decreed in the Akashic Record, the laws of the gods and the living record of the heavens, that if any demon lord, once sent to the hells, steps foot on land once again and is subsequently destroyed, they will be gone forever never to return to the Hales. The gods gathered at their meeting place in the God's Wood, a realm accessible only to the divine. Here, the gods came up with a plan. They would create an item and give it to a champion of their choosing. Now, here's where you're going to need to take notes, because like any historical figures, I will be testing you on their names and on what is important about them. Severius bestowed a spear of solid light to a cleric whom he, he saw great potential in. The searing spear was given to Thea Darkwater, an Azamar light cleric. Alaram bestowed a set of long swords to a hunter she recognized with tremendous skill. The long swords were just hilts, but when used by their bestowed champion, they pulled moisture from the very air you breathe to form the blades. Tsunami and Typhoon, the twin long swords, were given to Nados, the Triton blood hunter. Grund bestowed a great blacksmith's hammer upon a dwarf. The hammer of the first forge was given to Brillinora Greyguard of the New Kingdom of Ironkeep, daughter to King Durwin Greyguard. Vrushk bestowed a bow made from the godswood itself to a wood elf. The godswood bow was given to Rayroth of the Wildmoor Wood. She was chosen due to her swiftness and accuracy in the hunt. Thrask bestowed a breastplate made of pure platinum, studded with lapis and sapphire stones to a goliath male. The thunderplate, as it was called, was given to a goliath named Skywatcher. Thrask saw the fury of the storm in his soul. Zedris bestowed a cloak made of pure shadow to a human. The cloak of shadows was given to Johann Quickfist, a male human vagrant. Zedris saw potential in this human. After all, she did create his race. He would balance the scales. 
Kazaban bestowed a rod of immense power to a tiefling female. The Chaos Rod was given to a tiefling named Reverence. This tiefling had conflict in their heart. Kazaban didn't care if Reverence actually helped the other champions or not. He picked her because he thought that no matter what she did, it would be fun to watch. Reverence lived in what is now the ruined city of Gelbrindhal. But that is another lesson, students. Each god visited their champion in the plane of dreams. They informed them as to why they were chosen and what they would have to do. They were also instructed in how to use the items given. They were told to go to meet their fellow champions, and what they would have to do is to rid the world of the demons and demon lords who created them. The champions were to meet on an island in the center of Kars, between the fork of the Arrows Run River, a site today known as the Kingdom of Glim, but that is several thousand years in the future from the time period we are currently discussing. The champions met there and came up with a plan. They would lead a full assault on the fortress of the Demon Lords. The fortress, which we will now just call the fortress instead of the fortress of the Demon Lords, you know, it's the only fortress that we'll be talking about today, stood in the heart of the land now considered the Grey Marsh on Kars. Back then, it was a flourishing peninsula teeming with flora and fauna. Though the battle to come would taint the land for centuries. The fortress was a marvel of architecture with traps and weapons never seen at this time. The seven champions were not only chosen for their potential, they were also very competent hunters, healers, protectors, and fighters. They each had something they could contribute, and together the gods saw that they had a chance at taking down all seven demon lords. The champions devised a plan. They would do a full frontal assault on the fortress. They would bait the demon lords out of the protections of their palaces and fight them on the land, seven versus seven. Though they hoped it would be one at a time, they knew this would not be the case. A very risky move, indeed. When they arrived at the fortress, they found a moat of fire surrounding it. The fire was different, though. Historians do currently argue about this next part, but I like to think it actually happened. The fire was reported to be purple, and instead of roaring and crackling, the fire cried out in pain. It screamed as if it were the souls of every single person who was killed by the demons or the demon lords. Some say it was then that Johann Quickfist saw the manifestation of his mother who was, in fact, killed by the demons when they attacked his small town and leveled it. 
His mother manifested in the fire and begged him to embrace her. It appeared as if Johann was entranced. He slowly walked forward, arms outstretched, hoping to feel the warmth and love of his mother's embrace once more. Luckily for Johann, Thea Darkwater, the cleric of the group, dispelled the enchantment that was placed on the moat. Johann watched as his mother crackled out of existence back into the flames. The dispelling of this powerful enchantment was enough to get the attention of the demon lords inside. One by one, they appeared in front of the champions. Though all the demon lords showed up at the same time, Corbor, the demon lord of pride, decided that it would be fun to give the mortals a fighting chance. So he decreed that they would fight one versus seven, in order of importance. Shozul was first. The demon lord of sloth wasn't too happy about this, as it made him move, and he had just gotten comfortable. His attacks were sluggish and slow, but they were more powerful than the champions could have imagined. Luckily, the champions were quicker and had the numbers. They actually made quite quick work of Shozul. Thea's searing spear pierced his heart, and in a flash of light and a puff of smoke, he was pulled into the underworld. Fulun Zael was next, the demon lord of envy. Fulun Zael was already upset that he didn't get to go first. He surely would have laid waste to these sniveling mortals by now. It was here that Mados took the lead. He pulled the moisture from the air and formed the twin blades of Tsunami and Typhoon. The twin blades, which I should mention at this point, are one of only two divine weapons that come in a paired set. The others being Spark and Ember, which the Quill Institute has in its vault for mm, safekeeping. Fulun Zale struck out at the group, hitting Brillanora Greyguard. The wound on her side began to bleed as a black ichor began to spread from the wound. Nados instructed the other champions on what to do and asked Brillanora to stand back and drink a potion. He activated the special property of Tsunami and Typhoon. Thea used the Searing Spear to blind Fulunzael. And a great wind began to swirl, picking up the Demon Lord and launching him straight into the air. On his descent, Reroth began a volley of arrows, most of which found their mark. As her arrows struck, they wrapped the Demon Lord in vines, constricting his movement as he fell quickly to the ground. The once powerful Demon Lord reduced to nothing but a pincushion. Upon hitting the ground, Nados strolled up, and with both swords, stabbed into the heart of the Demon Lord. And in a similar fashion, Fulunzael was pulled to hell. At this point, Korbor was angry. Two of his comrades had fallen, 
never to return. So he changed the rules, as evil people do. Sending Dolgrak and Vihun in at the same time. Here's where our tiefling champion will shine. Reverence saw her opportunity and seized it. Using the Rod of Chaos, she targeted Dolgrak, knowing that she was the more powerful demon lord in this fight. The Rod caused Dolgrak to attack her ally, and in just two swings of Dolgrak's hammer, Vihun was defeated. When Dolgrak came out of her trance that was caused by the Rod of Chaos, she could not believe what she had done. In a daze, she was quite easy to take out, barely fighting back. Next up was Gazmak, the demon lord of gluttony. He was a huge being with tiny arms and squat legs. He was mostly mouth and teeth. He stepped forward, mouth agape, and immediately began to inhale. Each of the champions found their footing and tried to withstand the pull of the glutton. It was at this point when Skywatcher slipped, lost his footing, and was inhaled by the Demon Lord. Though, while being digested, the stomach acid actually activated the special properties of the Thunder Plate. Each time he was damaged, it was reflected back to Gazmak. Outside, the rest of the champions, in horror, began their attack. Thinking their comrade dead, they went all out and completely overwhelmed the Demon Lord. Their combined efforts, along with the activation of the Thunder Plate, was too much for Gazmak. And as he fell, Nados, using Typhoon, sliced the glutton across the belly, freeing Skywatcher just in time for Gazmak to get dragged to hell. Brihazmir knew that he would be able to defeat these mortals quickly. After all, they had been fighting for a while now, and they should be wearing out. The Demon Lord of Wrath wore yellow armor, which smelled of sulfur and brimstone. He drew a gigantic axe. He towered over the champions and began his assault without any delay. Brillinora Greyguard stepped forward. Her wound had stopped bleeding, but the black ichor still infected her wounds. She instructed her team and began her plan. Johan began using the Cloak of Shadows to create shadow clones of himself. These clones encircled the Demon Lord. The clones all attacked at once, distracting the Demon Lord and causing him to attack the clones instead of focusing on the champions. He swung his great giant axe, which went straight through one of the clones and embedded itself in the ground, deep. This was her chance. Brillanora took the hammer of the first forge and struck the demon's axe. The power of her hammer activated. The axe was unforged. 
It fell to the ground in its component parts and pieces. Brihasmir was furious. In a rage, he became reckless, punching, swiping, clawing at anything that moved. This gave Skywalker, the Goliath, the chance he needed. He would jump in the way of every reckless attack, his thunderplate taking the brunt of every blow and rebounding damage back at the Demon Lord. Eventually, thunder rang out so loud that the Demon Lord dropped to his knees, and with a swift strike from the searing spear, he was sent to hell. Corbor was amazed. He didn't think the mortals had this kind of drive, devotion, and determination. This kind of power. He walked forward, sure of himself, sure of his own power as the first and most powerful demon lord. Hell, he was the most powerful creature on the planet. It would take so much to bring him down, and this group just didn't have it. The champions readied their weapons, and the fight began. Thunder and lightning filled the skies above. Skywalker made sure of that as he used one of the special properties of his thunderplate. Rain began to fall, and soon a torrential downpour started to flood the land. Rayroth, using her godswood bow, began peppering the demon lord of pride with arrows. Each arrow turned into vines that tethered him to the ground. They also constricted his movements. He was stuck in place. Brillanora targeted his armor, and with a swift swing of the hammer, the armor fell to pieces. Johan saw his chance and decided to rush in, teleporting from shadow to shadow, as he thought he was untraceable. But Reverence saw Corbor tracking Johan's every move. Just as Johan popped out of a shadow and sprinted in for a strike, Reverend saw the Demon Lord break free from his restraints. Reverend, using the Rod of Chaos, stopped Johan in his tracks and caused him to teleport back into the shadows, narrowly missing the claws of the Demon Lord of Pride. You see, the Rod of Chaos caused whoever it was aimed at to do the opposite of what they were about to do. Rayroth continued to launch volley after volley of arrows, each one finding its mark. The water, now rising, is almost ankle-deep. It was time. Johann summoned a dozen clones to hold the demon in place, assisting the vines that were already restricting his movement. Each of the champions found a place above the water to stand. Skywalker called down a bolt of lightning, just as Thea Darkwater leapt from her perch in a tree above the Demon Lord. The searing spear above her head as a bolt of lightning struck the spear and she jammed it into the heart of the Demon Lord of Pride. The electricity coursed through Corbor and radiated out of his body and into the water, destroying each of the clones, ripping the vines from his body and sending him face first into the water. His body was rigid for a moment, and then fell limp. Soon, a flash of purple light blinded the champions. Next thing they knew, skeletal hands were dragging Corbor, the demon lord of pride, to hell.
The gods came to each of the champions in the coming days, thanking them for their service. Luckily, Brillanora was the only champion to be seriously wounded, and Thea was able to heal her in no time. Each of the champions were granted a boon by the gods. Whenever they or their families or descendants were in need, the gods would be there to light their way and show them the path. They were also allowed to keep the gifts that were given to them by the gods. Each of the champions passed these gifts down to their children, and they to theirs, and so on. Over time, some of their families fell on hard times, and a couple of the gifts were sold. Others were lost. But the families still exist to this day. In fact, a descendant of Brillinor Greyguard works here at the Quill Institute, as does a descendant of Nados and a descendant of Thea Darkwater. They are all members of the Archive Council and members of the governing body of the Quill Institute. They also teach, so perhaps if you're lucky enough, you can chat with them about this and the other stories you've learned about their ancestors. This concludes our very long lesson for today, students. Remember, the Quill Institute knows all. The Quill Institute watches. The Quill Institute is boundless. See you next time, students. Congratulations! You've made it to the end of a very long episode of the Quill Institute. In the future, we might be privileged enough to meet the descendants of these great champions. Coming soon will be an episode all about the Record Keeper, a strange and often forgotten god from lands far beyond Kars. Thank you all for listening. We hope that you're doing well in these trying times. We hope none of you have been adversely affected by the virus, as we said earlier in the opening. And we hope you're all staying safe out there in the apocalypse that is our world. Find us on social media. You know how to do it. Rate and review us, you know, just for fun. On iTunes, on Podchaser, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate us, review us. We'd appreciate it. Send a smoke signal to your friends and tell them about our little show. We hope to see you very soon as we venture back into the story you all came here for. But until then, everyone have a magical night and a magical life. <laughs>